This episode contains explicit content, so listener discretion advised. Hey everyone, I'm Emily Nagoski, your guest host for the week. Welcome to Radio Headspace and to Tuesday Morning. If you listened yesterday, you know that I'm a sex educator, and this week is all about sex. Today, I'm going to break down the basics of human sexuality and desire. You'll leave with a better understanding of how our bodies actually work, and how all of this can make your life better. So let's get into some of the science behind sexuality and desire. The dual control model is my very favorite thing to talk about. It's a model of sexual response that was originally developed in the late 90s by Kinsey researchers Eric Janssen and John Bancroft. So what it says is that a mammalian brain has a mechanism with two parts. The first is a sexual accelerator or the excitatory impulse that notices all the sex-related information in the environment. And it sends the turn-on signal that many of us are familiar with. And it's functioning all the time in our brains at a subconscious level. Here we are talking about sex, so you have just a tiny little bit of turn-on signal being sent. Fortunately, at the same time, in parallel, your brakes, the other part of the dual control model, are noticing all the good reasons not to be turned on right now. So the process of becoming aroused is a dual process of turning on the ons and also turning off the offs. And what's so revelatory about this is that when you're struggling with any element of your sexuality from desire, arousal, pleasure, orgasm, a lot of the advice has been to add stimulation to the accelerator, like try roleplay, add a vibrator, watch porn. And if you like those things, do you. Go for it. Great. And most of the time when people are struggling, it's not because there's not enough stimulation to the accelerator. It's more often because there is too much stimulation to the brake. So many things can hit the brakes. Stress, obviously. If your thoughts will not let go of the last dish in the sink, you can say to your partner, I'm sorry, my brakes are just caught on that last dish in the sink. They can go and do that last dish and that will release your brakes. And it also increases your sense of connection with your partner because they just helped you out. Sometimes the sexiest thing you can do is the dishes. If you're worried about being interrupted, either get childcare, get the kids out of the house, go somewhere that the kids aren't. You don't have to beat yourself up for like, my brain shouldn't be worried about the dishes or the laundry or the kids. Solve the problem and then your brain won't be stuck on those things. Body image stuff is high on the list because if you are in the middle of doing hot and heavy, sexy kind of things and part of your brain is worried about the jiggly part of the back of your thigh or what's happening to your neck skin or what your facial expression is. All the ways we are self-critical about our bodies is hitting the brakes. Of course, a history of trauma is going to be hitting the brakes. And if you've experienced trauma, you may find it helpful to reach out to a professional. Here's another unexpected bit of information. Your largest sex organ is your skin. And literally anywhere on your body that has skin on it can be 
a place where erotic, pleasurable sexual sensations happen, just depending on the context in which you experience it. And your brain will interpret almost any sensation as sexy and pleasurable if you are already very turned on. We know that people do different things because there are things that enough people have done that there's a name for them. I have learned that people really love it when there's a name for something. So for example, if you want to fuck your partner's armpit, that's called axillary intercourse. With a consenting peer, go for it, do you? A woman approached me after a talk. People want to know, like, am I normal? I know you're going to tell me that I'm normal, but I just have to ask about this one specific thing. What I really like is to put the soles of my feet together and have my partner lick between the arches of my feet. And I was like, yeah, totally normal. Makes perfect sense. In fact, people enjoying foot stimulation during sex is actually quite common. Let's call that interplantar linctus. Now it has a name and now you can try it. Different people have different degrees of attachment to conforming to cultural expectations. And certainly most of the self-help out there in the world is not really self-help. It's let me help you conform to the culturally constructed aspirational ideal. Let me help you to have orgasms in this amount of time or with this kind of stimulation. Let me help you have orgasms from penile vaginal intercourse. And... Only about a quarter of cisgender women are reliably orgasmic from vaginal penetration, and the remaining three quarters are sometimes rarely or never orgasmic from that kind of stimulation. And if all the advice is here's how to have an orgasm of penis and vagina sex, what does that do for the people who are only sometimes rarely or never orgasmic from that kind of stimulation? But not feeling like you have to change your sexuality to match someone else's rules about how your orgasms are supposed to happen, that's where deep ecstatic pleasure can begin. That's all for today. Tomorrow, we'll be discussing sex in long-term relationships. We all know it can be hard to keep things spicy, but I'll talk about what we can do to maintain a healthy sex life with our partner. See you then.